Professor, without knowing precisely what the danger is, would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Yes, I would, Ken. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 579 being recorded Thursday, March 19th, 2020. I'm Jim Tannis. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spronenberg, uh, trying to have 20% less snark in uh, Sebastian's place. It's, it's going to be a tall order. Uh, yeah, Sebastian's not with us this week. He's had something come up at the last minute, uh, so no worries there. He'll be back, uh, hopefully, uh, for the next show, but... Uh, it's just the uh, the four of us to start the show, and uh, because we're doing this on a Thursday night and poor Josh has to work, he's going to have to leave us uh, about halfway through the show, so uh, we'll try to get as much of that Josh Walrus love in as we can mm. while we have him. But uh, thanks for joining us, folks. We record these shows live uh, Wednesdays or Thursdays. Uh, we, we tried to aim for Wednesdays, but we, we usually get something for you at some point during the week. And we do that at 10 p.m. Eastern, and that's now that we're in daylight savings time, that works out to 2 a.m. UTC. So you go ahead and do the time zone calculation on your end to figure that out. And you can watch us live, join the chat at pcpro.com slash live. Uh, we also have the, the streams going out to YouTube and Twitch. And then, of course, you can always catch the podcast on demand, the video versions at YouTube and the audio versions at uh, your favorite podcast app or on all the platforms uh, just a quick update on the video podcast. I'm still struggling with these people. I don't want to name the platform because I think we might have ended up abandoning them. But it's been a, it's been very difficult trying to get our podcast hosting migrated. The audio went over fine. The video has been a nightmare. I'm still working on it. So if you're on the video podcast feed, it's like five weeks behind at this point. But if you want those videos, head over to YouTube. You can grab them there. And then the audio is fine. Everything's working great with the audio, uh, which is making this even more frustrating because it's only it's like half great and half terrible but uh uh anyway uh, thanks thanks for joining us here uh if you'd like to support our show we uh normally uh we have a, a patreon campaign going at patreon.com slash pc per and the, uh, the little gimmick we do here is if you become a new patron or up your pledge uh change your name field and uh before you make that change and i'll i'll get a notification here and i'll read whatever you put in that name field uh some people have also taken to uh just sending us a message uh, after the donation has been made to, and that that works. Have, however you want to get your message to us uh, works works for us. Uh, and uh, I almost forgot to make sure you join our mailing list. This is our live mailing list. We use this to send out a notification uh, about an hour or so before we go live. So if you'd like to join us and, and we're on one of those unpredictable schedule weeks, you'll know uh, exactly when to expect us. So, I hope everyone's uh, hanging in there. This was the first week, at least here, where the uh, the implications of of uh, the COVID-19 containment policies have really kicked in. It was the first week we had all our kids home from schools, the week we started seeing businesses close. Uh, some places obviously hit harder than others. So I hope everyone's hanging in there. Uh, I'm barely containing a seven-year-old second grader at home. Uh, it's been a nightmare. I was telling Jeremy before the show started that I, I imagine that when we all come out of this, that we'll all have much more appreciation for our school teachers. 
Uh, I certainly have. Uh, so I hope everyone's uh, managing the best they can. And uh, hopefully we can provide you with a little respite here for the next hour or two uh, with some fun stuff to talk about. But let's jump in. We've got uh, some uh, news uh, of the – so I guess it was the uh, this was supposed to be GDC news. GDC was supposed to be happening. Now it got canceled. And so we've had a series of – uh, live streams, digital releases, and and uh, to kick that off is the announcement by Microsoft of DirectX 12 Ultimate. Uh, so uh, the ultimate it, in DirectX technology. Uh, yes, exactly. So uh, what have we got here? Who wants to jump in and, and kind of tackle this for us? Nobody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. All right. So DirectX, uh, DirectX 12 Ultimate is, it's the next evolution of, of the DirectX uh, API. I mean, I guess they could have gone to 13, but they, they wanted to, uh, you know, to do the, the ultimate thing, the add-on uh, excitement uh, aspect to it. And basically what Microsoft's facing here, and, and sort of, I think, the, the driving force behind this is that we've got new technologies emerging in graphics, things like ray tracing, and we don't have a standardized implementation for this stuff. Uh, and, yeah, and look at it things. as like stuff moving out of the drivers finally and, and, and particular implementations of things. It's actually really good to see this moving to a standardized platform for things like uh, uh, ray tracing, variable ray shading. Those are the two that come to mind immediately, but that's going to be really helpful. And now I guess you can't fanboy over it as much anymore. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe oh, it'll stop some of that. I wouldn't. Oh, well, go, uh, that's just stupid to say. That's just dumb. Yeah, yeah, tr- trolls. Yeah, well, uh, NVIDIA mentioned a couple of things that they do and no one else does. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. Sure, exactly. Yeah, and they don't do free sync. Oh, wait. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so, yeah, Sorry. this was uh, this was a, a joint announcement, basically. NVIDIA and uh, uh, AMD and Microsoft all kind of, you know, announced this together, highlighting their, their various features. And that's because, of course, having a standardized uh, API for this these kind of technologies is going to be hugely important as you look at the consoles, these new high-powered consoles, which are exclusively AMD, and then the the desktop, which is a mix of NVIDIA, AMD, and and now looking forward, uh, Intel as well. Uh, so it's it's important for Microsoft and these these companies and developers to get on the same page and and get uh, these technologies, you know, to, to a uh, a standardized, predictable uh, way of addressing them, which is going to benefit everybody, I think. So. Uh, we'll see more, I'm sure, of this uh, from developers as, as they look to implement this. And as we'll talk about in a few minutes here, how the consoles will be implementing some of this stuff, uh, particularly. I think it's going to kill the RTX on jokes, though. I, I, I'm worried about that. I don't I mean, that, that's pretty well cemented in the popular culture now, isn't isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And, and you know, there still will be RTX ray tracing versus DirectX ray tracing. So there, you know, NVIDIA will still find a way to highlight its advantages in certain situations that. Well, with all the games that adopted RTX, you know, directly, I can see where that they're going to have a lot of, of, you know, air underneath that. A lot of, that, yep. True. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Huge they, amount. Yes. Yep. It's going to be really were... difficult to convince all the people that went in all, all in on RTX to move over to the uh, Microsoft, uh, you know, DirectX or, or yeah, version. Yeah, and, and I, what we what we will see though is is we know of course uh, that ray tracing does have an impact, a performance impact on Nvidia's side. Yeah, uh, what will that be going forward with DirectX ray tracing on AMD? How will their discrete GPUs handle it? How will the consoles handle it? 
that all that all really remains to be seen. That's that's going to be the interesting part of 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 what what will happen in this field in terms of who can deliver a better experience with those technologies. It's one we thing can to talk about that later with the Xbox. Yes, we can. Well, does anyone else have any uh, any other thoughts on DirectX 12 Ultimate? You know, it it seems really designed around Navi Navi two. Um, well, especially mm-hmm. to the new stuff, which may not spell great things for NVIDIA, but, uh, you know, they went one way and, and uh, the ray tracing that Microsoft implemented with DXR is, is quite another. And, uh, you know, it, AMD does not have necessarily, um, you know, kind of an RTX unit like, like NVIDIA does, which is, you know, a, a giant matrixy making thing. I'm probably saying it wrong, but uh, yeah, it's 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 almost like you know, soft ray tracing using shaders, but it's more than that. And so it's going to be interesting to hear what developers have to say. Who's going to develop and put ray tracing on these, you know, Xbox Series X and the uh, the PS5 when they eventually come out uh, later this year and early next. And you know what? What launch titles do they have? Is it going to be a couple of years before we see DXR stuff? Or are they? Um, is Microsoft, you know, really hammering on on some of these other studios to implement uh, this type of ray tracing earlier? We don't know any of that, and uh, we don't know any kind of the uh, what you call it the the performance impact of this, especially when you're you know you, you've got sixty frames per second at four K is what they're they're kind of aiming at. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, does AMD have an answer to DLSS? Yeah, sort of. Well, they do. Well, do they want one? I mean, oh. this is the question: is is it was DLSS? It, it was a stopgap, really, and because the technology wasn't there at the highest level of graphics, just to do pure ray tracing without having to. Mm, yeah, but. Boy, it's handy in many, many instances, and I've I've run into DLSS stuff, and it it looks pretty similar if it's well done. And uh, yeah, it's like uh, you you enable that uh, down sampling scaling in uh, Quake Two RTX, and it's like a whole different experience in terms of smoothness and and what you can do when you know you're running a thirty four forty by fourteen forty. Um with, you know, a, a reasonable RTX card. It is it is it is kind of night and day when you turn on that uh, DLSS type functionality and you well, really can't tell much of a difference. I mean, well, some I think, corner cases, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I think, I think what you said, the key there is when it's done right. And I think we saw so many examples of it not done right to start that it, I mean, that, that's my, it soured my impression on it because, we saw some Port Royale, Port Royale demos, that 3D Mark benchmark at CES uh, two years ago now, and uh, that looked great. And then we saw it in certain games, and it just didn't – it did not look good, at least to begin with. So seeing that improve, I guess, is, is one aspect to follow. But, uh, but yeah, we'll see this. So this is the, the, new, uh, the new standard, DirectX 12 Ultimate. Uh, you'll see it on uh, – Video cards on games on consoles. They're basically saying, you know, this is the uh, this version, uh, this this uh, edition of like the Nintendo seal of approval. You know, if you see this, you know that this is going to support all the latest technologies, all the latest graphics technologies at an acceptable level. So, 
We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, sort of tied into this is that we got also this past week, we got two major updates on the technical specs for the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5. Uh, and these are the, you know, the, the new big consoles. They're both being powered by AMD. We, we had gotten some teasers like we we knew that the Xbox was going to be targeting a 12 teraflop uh, performance rating for the GPU and that the PlayStation would be, I think it was, you know, 10 point something. And then we got all the details uh, finally confirmed to us through a couple of uh, live streams from these companies. Uh, and uh, Eurogamer was in on it. Uh, Eurogamer and was it Austin Evans, the uh, tech YouTuber Austin Evans, had uh, exclusives with Microsoft to unveil this stuff. Uh, here's here's from uh, Eurogamer. This is their comparison chart, and we can kind of take a look here at at it's 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 very interesting because they're they're using the basic the same basic platform, but these two consoles are implementing it very very differently. And the way I heard it was Microsoft's going wide and slow, and Sony's going narrow and fast. Uh, but what what do you think, Josh, about the uh, this the what we know now about how this these new consoles will use Zen two and RDNA two, you know they're they're in many ways they're very similar. I mean they use a lot of the same technology from AMD, but at the same time they've both diverged quite significantly in uh, certain places. Uh, one thing that uh, they do have in common is they both have a four K Blu Ray drive, so optical media still on Lives. top. Yes, it does for another day. Uh, otherwise. Um, you're looking at eight cores and up to 16 threads. I think that Xbox is being a little bit more developer-friendly by locking down the speed of, of their processor and GPU. Uh, while Sony, on the other hand, uh, they're, they're having variable frequency that, you know, you can if it's a less demanding uh, physics-type game, then you're going to get faster CPU. And, and I think that in terms of development, I would rather have concrete targets to aim for rather than, oh, hey, you know, if we do this, this, and this, we can maybe get some more performance out of here. But, you know, it's just when you're dealing with boost clocks, it's you're eventually going to hit some thermal areas that they're going to drop. And, uh, you know, I think that, that Microsoft kind of aiming for a more solid implementation, uh, that there's less leeway and less guessing. Uh, for the uh, developers, um, I wouldn't say 1.8 gigahertz is slow for a graphics mm. clock, especially when you're dealing with 52 CUs. Um, that's a that's a pretty beefy, beefy amount of graphics. And, uh, you know, uh, Sony is, is going a little bit less, 36 CUs, but they're clocking it a lot higher. And, and it's kind of, when you look back and forth at this, you kind of get the impression that Xbox and Microsoft were really not happy being on the short end of the performance stick in the last generation. I mean, it wasn't until the Xbox One uh, X came out that we saw clocks improved where it could be, you know, more competitive with Sony. Uh, but, you know, PS4 right off the bat was a more powerful SoC. And so um, going to Zen 2 cores, that's huge. Navi 2, again, huge. You're just going to get so much better overall performance. It's kind of like when the Xbox 360 was released uh, way back in what, 2004? Uh, 2005? I, think it was I can't remember. Yeah, 2005. Yeah. But when it was uh, released, it was it was right up there with the, the best PC in, in terms of overall real performance. And uh, we're kind of hitting that same thing where if you're, you know, they of course didn't tell us the, the, the prices of this. 
but I would expect that you're looking at a six hundred dollar uh, piece of equipment with the uh, the Series X. I don't know about PlayStation Five, but Series X, I, I would guess around six hundred bucks with that entire thing because it's got one terabyte NVMe drive. It's got the four K Blu-ray. Um, the design is really interesting. You've got the the expansion uh, with one terabyte of another NVMe uh, that's kind of specialized that Seagate's doing for them. Um, but when the other thing that really sticks out between the two is the memory bus, and make that two things, and I.O. Uh, so Microsoft has a split memory bus that uh, 10 gigs of memory running at 560 gigs per second, and then another 6 gig of memory running at a slower 336. And we don't have all the details on how they're going to split that up in terms of OS and what the game can use and how much graphics can use. But um, Sony has, you know, one unified 16 gig uh, running it right in between 448 gigs. IO bandwidth is going to be significantly improved on Sony, but it's also going to be, you know, a huge jump for even just Xbox because previously they were all pretty much running uh, you know, slow spinning hard drives that gave you a 50 to 100 megabytes per second of throughput. Now we are on these NVMe PCIe Express type implementations where, you know, Xbox in theory, I mean, if if they did a SATA 6, not SATA 6, but PCIe 4.0 implementation with the NVMe, they get up to five gigs, um, you know, right up there with, with PlayStation. Um, but as it is, it's still... Both of these are, are massive jumps up in terms of I.O. from previous generation consoles, you know, except for those people who would do, you know, SSD uh, hard drives and they'd swap that in and they'd get better load times and whatnot. Um, this is going to be such a advantage for developers because, you know, I guess when, when they were going through load screens with like Spider-Man, which is a really lovely game, uh, you'd go into like a subway and you'd ride the subway to get to the next spot. And that really is just a way to kind of keep you entertained as they're loading all of this data into memory to, you know, flesh out the world that you're going to be swinging around in. And uh, a lot of the, you know, kind of tricky implementations that they've done to try to hide that from users, they're not going to have to do that, or they have to do it in a way that is, you know, less restrictive and uh, easier for developers. And so having this amount of IO, is going to really expand game worlds and the user experience uh, just because you're not going to be sitting there waiting on a loading screen. You know, you got a little bar that moves across and you're holding your controller sitting there slack-jawed. You know, it's it's going to be better for you. So, yeah, there's, uh, you know, uh, so much more CPU performance. Graphics performance, again, they're aiming at 60 frames per second of 4K, and you've got Ray tracing support, I mean, just an amazing jump in technology uh, from the previous generation to this one. And it's going to be fun to see because, you know, I bought an Xbox One S a couple of years back that I really wanted to be kind of more of a media station. And it's been fantastic with that. I mean, it's got the 4K Blu-ray. You can link to Hulu, Amazon, Plex, everybody, Netflix. And you don't need the, the Xbox Gold thing anymore like you used to. At least I thought you had to used to to be able to do a lot of streaming stuff. And so it's, you know, it's a great 
piece of equipment that does all kinds of things without having a PC in your living room. And it's supported by Microsoft. And, you know, you don't have to worry about all this other garbage. Like the last time I had a PC um, for an HTPC that I had to always have to update the, the, the Blu-ray play software. And they were so crazy about not being unbreakable, even though it was constantly being broken, that it, it broke the user experience because they eventually stopped supporting your old player and you got to shell out another 50 bucks as compared to you buy a Blu-ray player and it's just works for years on end. So, you know, this is a nice thing that, that the new Xbox and the PS5, PS4, whatever, they're just fantastic for uh, as a home entertainment type center. And uh, the capabilities of this next generation are, are going to be even greater. So they didn't tell us anything about the wireless. So I'm going to be curious if it's going to be what Wi-Fi 6 is the latest. Mm-hmm. I would imagine they would mm-hmm. probably support that. Well, so AMP, what do you guys think? They don't have a native Wi-Fi 6 chip so i don't know if they would necessarily support it or if they just tell people to we know they're well we we know the xbox has the gigabit ethernet we would assume the ps5 would as well but yeah um i mean speaking of your of the storage point like by going to having all the consoles be uh have fast nvme storage even if playstation is faster is important also for things like uh resume by having that that fast non-volatile storage as as Microsoft showed off, you can uh, res- save your game states, multiple game states that will survive a power cycle, survive yeah. an, a system update, and you can pop right in and out of games. And, and this is backwards compatible too, so it's not just new new games. Your original Xbox, first gen Xbox co- uh, games that are running in back compatibility, you can jump in and out of those too. So looks like four second switch, four or five seconds, and that's pretty darn reasonable. But, you know, <laughs> unbelievable. Is I think uh, I think Josh was right. Yeah, he said like forty-seven things. I think he was totally right. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I didn't I, I didn't hear, any, I didn't hear anything uh, particularly <laughs> wrong there. Giant stream of well, actually, consciousness. One of, the, one of the cool things was the programmatic usage of being able to count on clock speeds, and I think that that's underrated. Having personally had to program for embedded devices in the past, it's actually really key in order to get a smooth experience from the user's perspective to be able to rely on a certain level of performance. So I think it's actually pretty smart of them to stick a clock speed uh, in there if you want to reserve seven cores or or six cores or eight cores, um, depending on how you want to configure your software. I know they've got some options in there. Uh, that you can count on a particular clock speed. I think that's really cool. The other thing that you mentioned that I, I think is even even cooler that you sort of mentioned was that this is actually beyond any PC you can buy on a, on a using an AMD metric here, sort of, just say, in a performance per watt basis, this particular ensemble is actually better than anything you can buy. The power supply is 300 watts. It's 300 watts. Eight cores, and and that that fast of graphics. I mean, it's a it's a it's an SOC with graphics running at at one point eight gigahertz uh, on there. It's it's incredible, you know. So our DNA too is is really going to be quite a boon when when we see it. So I think that's actually pretty cool. And that's yeah, actually one of the people probably. Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. I probably I wouldn't doubt the TDP would be about you know two hundred watts for 
you know, just the SOC and the memory and just that kind of main board in. That's which, amazing. It was, it's, it's pretty good. And uh, they yeah. were able to pack all of that into 360 millimeters square. And that's really impressive. I mean, TSMC's got their 7 nanometer running at a really nice rate to be able to put that much stuff into that small a space. And they did sacrifice some things. It's got less, uh, it's got less cash uh, than, say, a desktop Ryzen 3000 series and, uh, and uh, what you would get with the 5700. Um, but other than that, it's kind of the full meal deal. And yeah, 360 millimeters square. That's, you know, it's, it's not a small chip, but as compared to a 2080, which is what, 450 by itself or the 2080 Ti, which is 600 millimeter square. And of course that's 12 nanometer, which is 14 nanometer, but still, um, yeah, it's, it's amazingly amazingly small and you don't have um you know it's it's just an soc it, it's not a chiplet mm-hmm. so that's awesome yeah. well i mean yeah but it's it's pretty awesome and to that uh h oh sorry go ahead i was going to your point about how this is faster than you know some p you know that what you can buy in terms of efficiency another way to think about that too is that with the playstation in particular having those very very fast uh throughput speeds on the storage if games that are written primarily to the PS5 platform rely on that speed, you're going to have a hard time hitting that on most desktops for quite a while. Because even the the PCIe 4.0 Fizon stuff nowadays can't hit those sequential numbers. No. And you're going to have a whole segment of It's going to be years with people still stuck on PCIe 3. And, and the even if they have a like a nice, fast Samsung NVMe there. So that'll be interesting to see how they navigate that as as because we you know sony's for years been reluctant to bring cross-platform stuff but we're seeing them erode that which is great like uh, horizon zero dawn has been officially announced to be coming this summer which is a great playstation game that'll be even better on pc i'm hoping and uh, the uh, mlb the show i uh, believe that they're aiming to bring that to pc next year um so obviously not every game but having very, very fast storage that exceeds what you're going to get on the majority of the PC market is yeah. is going to be huge there. Uh, and also, talking about the storage again, with, with the Xbox, they've got these little um, uh, cartridge-like proprietary NVMe storages you can buy, little drives. And we don't know the pricing on that, but but they, they do that to ensure compatibility. With Sony, you've got the built-in storage, but they also said there'll be a standard M.2 port. The problem, though, is... It'll be a PCIe 4.0 port, but it'll have to be rated at the drive you put in there will have to be rated at a certain level, which we don't have yet. We don't, you know, again, there's no, there's, those Fizon, those first gen Fizon controllers are not capable of hitting these speeds. So, you know, with Samsung getting to the market, with Fizon getting into their next gen controllers, we'll have to see. But Sony was very clear to point out you're not just going to be able to throw any uh, M.2 SSD in there. So, it's it's an advantage of the Sony's again, as we saw with the PS4, having just easy access to upgrades. But this time, it might be a couple of years before we can reasonably get on the consumer market a part that is performant enough to fit there. And here, I thought cartridge gaming was coming back. Yeah. Well, well, sort of. In a way, it is. In a way, it is. I mean, there's there's a USB 3.2 uh, support for external drives uh, for on both consoles, so you can you can hook up a drive. I don't know if you'll be able to load games directly off of that or if you'll have to be like it'll be like sort of like your cold storage and then you shuffle it to the 
internal flash to play. Um, right. Right. I mean, it's no Nintendo switch. I mean, don't get me wrong. (laughs) Sure. Whatever. I I love that. This is going to finally introduce people to NVMe drives. And you're going to see that same shift in attitude we saw when SSDs first became easily obtainable at a reasonable price, when right. suddenly people who went to use a system that had an SSD in it, when they've got an HR drive at home, I, like we're immediately pricing an SSD because they couldn't deal with the speed. And so this is going to be another sea change, uh, teaching people that no, it is actually worth upgrading to NVMe. Unfortunately, as you say, I'm desperately jealous at the fact that they're going to be significantly faster than even uh, like a brand new Ryzen PCIe 4.0 platform with a Fizen on it. Hopefully this will bleed off into the PC market fairly quickly so that we can start to see something like that come up, uh, you know, either a revision or the the next generation of uh, motherboards from definitely AMD. And, you know, you never know AMD or Intel possibly as well. And the other nifty trick, I think, uh, that the Xbox does, and I, I want to see how well it's implemented and how well it works, is that they can switch from single-threaded to multi-threaded and give you a different frequency because of that as well. So, you know, is it going to be that some games actually love the fact that you're hitting 3.8 gigahertz with only eight cores as opposed to multi-threaded uh, at 16 and 3.6 gigahertz you know, is this going to have any effect whatsoever on a console game? If it does, you know, are they going to be able to switch back and forth between that on the flyer? Is it going to require a reboot or at least a, a, a warm boot before you can play your game? And, you know, is it going to matter or is this just something that looks really nifty on paper? Or what's yeah. it going to do to their PC ports? Oh my gosh, where's their spec level going to be? Oh, I'm sorry. That's not enough PC to play this console game. <laughs> you, yeah, don't bring that up yet. <laughs> oh, no, is that coming. too soon? I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the other uh, factor here in all this, uh, well, obviously, as, as I think it was Josh said earlier, price is just going to be a huge question here. But the other factor is we know what the Xbox uh, Series X looks like. And it's got that cute little mini fridge tower design in fact they, they during their That's presentation they made a joke of comparing it to a full-size refrigerator uh and and we know that they're you know it, it's it's got that convection design you know hot air rises let's tower it through sort of similar to the old 2013 Mac pro we don't know what the playstation 5 is going to look like and there's been rumors and there's been patents and there's been leaks uh but because they're counting on those turbo frequencies, and there really are. And I don't know if that was reactionary to Microsoft's announcement or if that was always their plan. But they're, you know, they're saying like, hey, even though we've got forty percent fewer CUs and uh, the frequency, you know, or, or the, uh, slower memory bandwidth, um, when you raise the clock, it everything else goes up. Ray tracing performance goes up, and and uh, sh- shaders and everything. Everything goes faster when you raise the GPU clock, so it's more than just CUs. But those turbo frequencies are only going to be in those microsecond, you know, the, the very short burst, likely, at, at that, at least at the, yeah. the rated spec. So the design of this console and how well it's it can handle thermal, uh, the thermal load is going to be crucial to how long they can sustain those, because they need to, they, on paper, the Xbox is more powerful, but if the PlayStation can sustain those boosts for longer, they can really close that gap and in some cases exceed it. So it'll be interesting oh, to I see. Oh, I just found a new fanboy argument. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I'm also you know, waiting to see that... with the first person to try and get those four disabled CUs back. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's going to work <laughs> we don't out even well. Know that, I, that's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. yeah. True. So uh, that's a custom chip. May not you be know nice. what? They burned those uh, off for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, uh, the area that I think everybody kind of overlooks and, and something that developers do not is the development environment of Microsoft yeah. versus Sony. Uh, Microsoft is very, very, very developer-friendly with some extremely powerful tools that they can use to get games up and running. And uh, Sony is, is not... They're better than they used to be, but they were, for a long time, kind of the Jar and Carmack of, of consoles and that you've got... No GUI type tools. You've got, you know, here's how you do assembly. Stuff that's <laughs> close to metal and powerful, but was not friendly for, for developers. I mean, they spent a lot more time working on the technology than they were working on, uh, you know, just the, the game. And so, you know, Josh, Josh, dig, uh, programming and assembly is like digging post holes with a teaspoon. You have complete control yeah. over every grain of dirt. You pretty much yes. do. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah. But, I mean, it, that, that was kind of an extreme example. They don't really use assembly <laughs> with, with Sony. But, um, yeah, I was talking to developer a couple of years ago, and, and it's like, yeah, it's it's night and day what the tools Microsoft gives you versus what Sony. And Sony has improved dramatically, but I, I still don't think that they're at that level that, that Microsoft is. And so it's it's going to be very interesting to see um, the quality of games that, that are you know, going to be PC, Xbox, and, and PlayStation, you know, when they were released all at once. And, you know, hear more stories about, you know, development time between between those three platforms. Yeah, and there's there's been a, with these announcements, there's been a host of uh, people on Twitter, old developers, and in some cases, giving news stories and, and others uh, linking to older accounts, but uh, talking about development cycles back to the original PS1, the PS2, I think there was one I saw on the PS3 where the guy was like, yeah, it took our team three weeks to get a square on the screen. And then, <laughs> then it, it finally clicked and we were able to proceed. But but yeah, over these last two generations, moving to an x86 architecture has been huge uh, in general. And then now being able to take advantage of the unique way in which these companies are are uh, constructing this, this platform uh, is going to be important. Uh, I mean, Sony last generation, I think it's pretty clear, had better first party exclusives or not first party, but well, in some cases, but just generally better exclusives. I, that was you know, Spider-Man horizon zero dawn, God of war, last of us, uh, Red, know, Red, games. redemption to, yeah. Oh, that was on Xbox. Wasn't it? No, no, no I thought it was, it was just, oh. yes. Was it? Yeah. I swear it was, it was just PS4. And then they released it for a year later on PC and Xbox. I could have sworn it was uh, cross platform. Anyway, well, I don't okay. We could probably take a look. I'll, yeah, but but we have the, the internet the, at our fingers. Yeah, the, the point uh, is, uh, regardless of now. difficulty getting there, that generation had the better better games. Looking forward, Microsoft. I mean, ever since they got rid of Don Matrick and put Phil Spencer in charge, they've been preparing for this. They've got backwards compatibility far in, in excess of of Sony. Uh, they've got um, they've been buying up studios. They've been very consumer friendly in the sense of like cross play and game pass and play on PC and Xbox, bring your library forward. Uh, and Sony's doing that too. Although, so with, with Xbox, how they've said with the series X is on day one, everything that plays on Xbox one, including your back compat 360 and first gen games will play just fine. In fact, a 
in many cases, play even better because you can further increase the resolution and frame rate. Whereas with PlayStation, they're bringing, I think they said 100. Uh, and it'll probably be the most popular games. You'll probably find what you want to play there. But it's not the same kind of universal compatibility. There's going to have to be some work done on Sony's side to bring that forward. Um, so The X is also going to add uh, HDR reconstruction, come to think of it. Yes, that's uh, no. I don't cool. know how how good that'll look, <laughs> uh, but it's a feature. On the fly, it's actually yeah, it, it'll be a thing. Yeah, but I mean, it, 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 I've, in terms of adding HDR to things that weren't made with HDR in mind, I don't know yes. right. how that ends up. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's, they do it. They do it spot wise. They're not doing it at full frame. It'll be like those old videos for the a, DX11 launch. <laughs> where they just cranked up the brightness ridiculously oh, right. to say that it was exactly your explosions will make you a little, you go yeah. blind. Yep. So, you know, th- this is what we have now. We're, like we said, the things we're waiting to see are the price and the uh, in, in the PlayStation's case, the final final like physical design. Uh, which unless did I miss something that hasn't been announced? Right? Because I was I, I couldn't nope. find anything on that. So yeah. So we'll. And that'll be interesting. And of course, also with the global crisis that's happening now, I I, I do wonder: Will these things, which are scheduled to hit this fall, this Christmas, uh, will they hit on time? Will the supply chains be in place? Will the stores be open? Um, we'll see. Uh, as for, I mean, there's always the debate. You know, we're PC first, we're PC focused. What what do you buy, right? And I've always bought consoles because certain games, like the NHL series, are exclusive arbitrarily, and I'm I refuse to be left without my hockey, especially now that I'm without real hockey too. <laughs> Although as a Sabres yeah. fan, that's probably for the best. Um, oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You. But, uh, yeah, we were, the, 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 the Sabres were set to play the, uh, the Habs, that final game that got canceled. So, yep. And I think we're both happy about that in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But someday uh, we're gonna have to discuss your Buffalo fandom. Uh, well, it's, it's a long, sad, sad story. Yeah. I think I've got Jack Daniels around here somewhere, but okay. Come on, um, Stefan Diggs. Stefan yeah, oh, Diggs. Yes. Okay, well, that's the Bills. The Bills are looking up. Yeah. Now that Brady's Bills gone. Bills are looking great. Now that Brady's yeah. gone, it's, that, that, it's, the division's looking pretty good. Josh <laughs> Allen. Uh, but uh, having to having to pick a console, um, the, the, what I've been reading, people are justifying and saying, well, Microsoft has pretty much said, hey, anything we make that's exclusive is going PC too. So – if Sony's not going to make that same argument or that guarantee, then maybe the PlayStation's the one to get uh, if you're going to be a PC plus console gamer. Do you go with the PlayStation? But on the other hand, the Xbox looks like it might be more powerful. We'll have to see how that works out in practice. Um, but, but you know, very interesting. Uh, this is the most interesting that the consoles have been for a long time. There, I remember back in 2013 with the PS4 and the Xbox One, there was a sense of uh, meh. You know, like it just wasn't as exciting. The... Microsoft was playing up the home entertainment features. The consoles were clearly underpowered. Both companies were insisting on making a profit uh, on the hardware. They didn't want to you know, do the loss leader thing again. So, uh, and yes, uh, Maxius in our Discord chat is recommending we should do a, an NHL, uh, virtual NHL tournament uh, at PC Per just to bite our time. So maybe we'll do that. But, um, but yeah, very, very interesting to keep an eye on the consoles here and giving us also giving us a glimpse of what we can expect on the desktop from RDNA 2, which is still, uh, you know, forthcoming here in, in terms of uh, products that we can buy on the desktop. Impressive. So, yes, very impressive. <laughs> uh, any other Thank thoughts you. on this? 
No. Okay. Josh, do you need to go or do you want to hang around and talk about the uh, Ryzen uh, 4900H? I'd probably better leave. Okay. So that's another interesting SOC. Yes. It certainly has pulled out all the stops. It has uh, a surprising announcement. At least I thought so uh, from AMD, but we'll get to that in just a minute. For now, we're going to say goodbye to Josh and we're going to take a break to thank our sponsor this week. We'll be right back. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Now, there are a ton of VPN providers out there, and you've probably heard of a couple of them. Uh, Some of you may have even used one. At least I I hope you've considered using a VPN, because VPNs, at least a good quality VPN, is essential for protecting your, your privacy and your security while you're browsing online. But, you know, I like to have sponsors that I can personally recommend because of my own personal experience. And one of those in this case is ExpressVPN. That's why I was so excited to have them become a sponsor. It's because I've been an ExpressVPN customer since March 2017. It's been about three years. At that time, I looked at a bunch of services, uh, both both paid and free, and ExpressVPN uh, not only was the fastest, but as, as I'll mention here, they're the one that I trust the most in terms of how they handle uh, user privacy and user security. And, and here's why. First, ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Lots of... Uh, VPN services, especially the ones that are very, very cheap or free, you know, they have to make money somehow. It's very expensive to run a VPN network. And so if if you're not paying for your VPN service, they're making money somewhere. And that could be, you know, selling your data to ad companies or, or, you know, logging and tracking for other type of marketing purposes. And you don't have that with ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your info. And that's because they they store your, your session data in volatile memory, in RAM. And so once your session is over, that data is erased. It's, it's not erased in the sense of a traditional hard drive where you can recover it. Because if you, if you understand volatile versus persistent storage, with volatile storage, when the power is cut, when that session ends, that data is gone. And so you're protected, your session is private, ExpressVPN, even if they wanted to, couldn't market your data. And of course, they don't want to because they value your privacy and security above all else. The second reason is speed. Now, when you use a VPN service, all of your traffic is routed through that VPN's servers. That's that's how it works. That's the, the magic of a VPN. That's what protects and anonymizes your data. It's what allows you to appear like you're you're coming from a different location in order to access uh, region locked content. So if your your VPN server is slow, that that'll be your bottleneck. It wouldn't matter if you had, you know, gigabit fiber at the house if your VPN server is running at dial-up speed, that's the experience you're going to have when you're connected. And I've been using ExpressVPN like I said for 3 years and this is one of the reasons I chose them, one of the primary reasons I chose them. They were the fastest among all the services that I personally used. So when I'm, you know, browsing at other websites, uh, I don't feel any slowdown when I'm accessing video. If I'm trying to access BBC video from the UK, which is region locked there, I can stream in HD. And the last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart from the other VPNs that that I've personally used and that I, I tried out was just how easy it is to use. Unlike some other VPNs, you don't need to input or program anything. I mean, you can if you want to. They, they give you that information. If you want to manually put in DNS and all that and, and, and set things up, you have that option. But if you don't want to deal with that, you don't have to. ExpressVPN has great user interfaces, great apps, 
that allow you to have quick and easy one button setup and connect. And it works on all of your devices, PC, Mac, iPhone, Android tablets, uh, even through your router with your smart devices at home, Apple TVs, Roku's and everything. It's very easy to set up, very easy to use. So protect yourself with a VPN that I use and trust and support us here at PC Per. Just head to expressvpn.com slash PCPer today and you can get an extra three months for free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash PCPer. Check it out to learn more about this deal and again, get those three months free on a one-year deal. Thanks so much to ExpressVPN for supporting the PC Perspective podcast. And we're back. Uh, so uh, thanks to for, thanks to Josh for for joining us, and uh, he'll be back next week. Uh, no worries there. But let's uh, continue on with the news this week. Sticking with AMD themed news, we had some more announcements from them on their upcoming Zen two based Ryzen four thousand mobile platform. So as you may recall, they announced this this upcoming uh, array of of mobile processors ranging from fifteen to forty five watts. And this is, again, Zen 2. So this is the good stuff that we didn't have last year on mobile, only on the desktop. And it's bringing, uh, we, we haven't tested them yet, but it, the whole platform is promising significant improvements in performance, efficiency, and graphics uh, performance as well. So very exciting there. And uh, up until now, their top end part was the 4800H. This was a 45-watt uh, TDP 8-core, uh, eight 16-thread eight part. And they announced uh, this week, surprisingly, that they're going to up the ante a little bit with the introduction of a an even faster processor targeted at uh, gamers and uh, that are you know gaming gaming laptops, and that's the Ryzen nine forty nine hundred H. And uh, <clears throat> it's 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 interesting here because we we saw them sort of do this last year with the Ryzen three thousand with that exclusive deal uh, with Microsoft. The Surface Edition Ryzen was their top end part that got a little bit of a boost. Now this one, uh, it does get a little bit of a boost, but it's, it's even uh, more of a boost, I guess you could say than, than last year's uh, upgrade. So this is, again, it's, it's an eight core, 16 thread part, 45 watt base TDP, uh, 3.3 gigahertz base. Uh, here's a, a slide. If you're watching the video version that compares. So that middle one is the 4,800, which again, up until this week was the the top mobile part. So the base clock goes from 2.9 to 3.3 on the 4900H. A boost goes from 4.2 to 4.4. And you also get an additional graphics core, uh, 7 to 8 of those Vega, and this is a new and improved Vega graphics cores. Gra- excuse me, graphics cores. And well, What did the they graphics, do to improve them again? Uh, just the efficiency, but, you know, another generation oh. of, of iterating on that. Uh, and it, and it's, a, it's an impressive, again, we haven't tested any of this, but from what they've told right. us, a very impressive jump over last generation's mm-hmm. Vega mobile graphics. Okay. Uh, but the uh, the frequency, too, from the 4800H to the 4900H, it goes from 1600 to 1750 megahertz on the graphics uh, frequency, and all within that same 45-watt base TDP. Yeah. Base Doesn't TDP. cost so, them anything more. Well, Isn't that so great? With, with the, them specifically citing gaming laptops, you know, what we expect, of course, is that well, these will be the chassis that are more aggressively designed in terms of cooling, thicker, more aggressive fan profiles, maybe, you know, just more fans in general. Because uh, we, we would have seen the 4800H on some gaming laptops as well, but they would have also been found in like sort of prosumer studio productivity devices that can be a little bit thinner and lighter. 
Whereas this 4900H is going to go into these bigger chassis and we'll certainly see uh, that 45 watt TDP exceeded when you have the thermal headroom to do so. So uh, just really further, I don't want to say putting the screws to because we can't verify any of this yet, but really challenging Intel. Uh, AMD, despite their very impressive gains on the desktop last year, didn't really, you know, smack down Intel on, on mobile. And this year, that's what they're aiming for. And uh, they're, we don't know if it's going to, at every price point, what will happen, but they're certainly going to get a lot closer. And in many laptop categories this year, they, they'll probably be the best bet in terms of performance and efficiency. So, uh, so we'll, we'll, well see. Well, there's the uh, mystery of what Intel is going to come out with. Well, we know we'll we've got to see the new GPU or are we just going to see what we expect, which is the incremental. That, that doesn't, that yeah. doesn't look too impressive yet. Their, their GPU, but you know, the fact that no, they're it, still moving around and in or an AMD keeps shooting them, you know, it's like, Oh, you're still moving. Hit him again. Uh, well, it, and did you mention it's only PCIe 3.0? In, oh. oh, on, on Intel yeah. side, you mean? Oh, of course. Well, no. Yeah. The, these new, I thought they're these new mobiles. Oh, are the mobiles? The PCIe 3. Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. I didn't huh. catch yeah. that. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, that was I mean, Sebastian's, I guess... which I thought was surprising, but you're looking for low power, low heat. So that does actually make sense. Yeah. Cause the, it, well, yeah, the primary advantage of the PCIe for speed is those higher, much higher uh, power draw drives. Yeah. Which wouldn't yeah. be suitable. Um, but uh, we can see here the uh, Sebastian's got the full lineup now of the Ryzen 4000 family as announced, uh, starting with the Ryzen 3 4300U in the 15-watt TDP category at the bottom there and going up all the way to that new 4900H. Uh, so it, it's, uh, it's in a, again, on paper, a pretty impressive lineup for their, for their mobile. I'm very excited to see how this performs uh, because, as we said, we, you know, we looked at some of these laptops last year um, – and there were some good and some bad implementations. So, like on the uh, Lenovo ThinkPads, the T four ninety five, I believe it was, was uh, I believe it was to say, thirty seven hundred U fifteen watt part. That was a really good laptop. It was cheap and it performed well, and the battery life was decent, and it integrated uh, Intel uh, AC Wi Fi uh, alongside it. So it was just a good mashup. But then you looked at like the Microsoft uh, Surface laptop with the AMD part in it that upgraded thirty seven eighty U. And that wasn't good at all. Uh, the thermals just weren't there. The They used a Qualcomm Wi-Fi chip, which was very poor in performance. Uh, so kind of all over the place. So we'll, we'll see. Bad uh, mashup. Yeah, it just wasn't a, a good – I really no, wanted to like it. That surface iteration was uh. – yeah. No, the Ice Lake version of that laptop is pretty great. Uh, yeah. it, it It's cool and performant, and it's more expensive. But uh, that's what I ended up swapping it for. And uh, – and and I don't I want to be able to say that about the AMD part this this time around. So, uh, so we'll keep an eye there. The, the laptops are shipping. You know, we've had announcements starting. Uh, there have been talk about being able to order certain products. I've heard that some of our colleagues have started receiving review samples. We haven't, uh, unless Sebastian has, which I, I, he hasn't mentioned to me. But uh, we haven't got anything yet. But we'll be looking to grab some of those uh, Ryzen four thousand laptops here shortly. Uh, and then also, well, I can tell uh, you from the search side of the house, when you look at the search against like the site, uh, mm -hmm. most of the internet, uh, 
like 55% of the people on the internet are interested in laptop parts. So, and, mm-hmm. and laptops reviews and oh. things like that. So yeah, we should definitely get a few of those onto the site because that's going to help. Yeah. If you and find uh, those any. Exactly. Especially yeah. now, because it's, it's work from home Armageddon uh, with. Yes. Yes. A billion dollar company. And it's going to be several weeks, possibly eight before we can get new laptops. Yep. Ouch. It's, it's. Uh, Can't even get replacement parts for broken shape. It's yeah. insane. Well, you, you've heard, of course, um, uh, GameStop is an essential business yes, because right. they're they're helping you work from home uh, with. I assume. I mean, they've got to sell something. I mean, maybe it's Beacon, or I mean, you. I guess you could you could hack a switch and run something on the Tegra processor. I think they have some yeah. cords in there. Some maybe some USB chargers or something. Maybe. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. What do you mean monitors have different plugs? Yes. I don't understand. <laughs> Every monitor has the uh, letters HDMI on it, right? That's what that means. No, it's not monitor. the ones. But, uh, well, we kid, and uh, we hope if you're a GameStop employee that your company uh, uh, has a little bit more Certainly. sense. Oh, hey, the new dude at the helm, he's going to pull through. Pull through. Yeah. What's his name again? Technically, he doesn't start till April is his excuse right uh, now. Never mind oh, that. It's, it's not all going fault. up in flames. It's all going up in flames. Forget I said anything. It's on fire. Real real quick on Ryzen 4000 before we move on. There was also an announcement, too, that if if you're looking for a uh, slightly improved uh, part, but you don't want that 45-watt TDP, you know, scale it back a little bit, they also, at the very end, announced the 4900HS. So this is, again, an 8-core, 16-thread part, 3 gigahertz base, 4.3 gigahertz boost. So a little bit over that 4800H, but in a 35-watt TDP base uh, uh, envelope. So... Uh, more options there for various form factors and and uh, performance needs, and that's coming spring twenty twenty. They said so. No specific release date on that guy. Thirty five watts is actually really impressive for the for everything they're packing in there up to sixteen cores. That uh, was what what was the gigahertz topping out at three point eight or is it four 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 three four three four three? Yeah, yeah. and and eight and eight core uh, GPU uh, on the side. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. Uh, it's very impressive inside 35 watts. Well, I mean, you look I'm, at I'm on this power kick lately. So. To generate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you look back just a couple of years ago and then you look now at, at, at what AMD has pushed this market to, I mean, 15 watt TDP uh, class parts. And again, it's always with everyone always chimes in, oh, 15 watt, then it never runs at that for sure. But in that class, you're looking at up to eight core 16 threads. You know, yeah, base of one point eight, but boost of four point two, uh, and and that's just insane. Uh, and that's that's the AMD factor of of what they've. I mean, even if you're an Intel fan, for whatever reason, like the pressure they've put on this on this market and and forcing them to yes. <laughs> It's the nonviolence, nonviolence. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's no. it's it's like virtual. It's not. Yes. We don't mean that. It's it's like. Whatever it's so it's symbolic. It's it's exciting uh, to to see the market offering more and more performance at all, at all the different uh, tiers. But uh, another company that had an update this week uh, was Apple. They were supposed to have one of their you know couple time a year big events at one of the I think the Steve Jobs Theater, but obviously they had to cancel that. And so they had a digital event, and uh, in that event they announced uh, new iPad Pros, including. Uh, a new keyboard stand and keyboard functionality that will be coming to 
other iPads as well, or I'm sorry, not keyboard, uh, trackpad, mouse functionality uh, that will be coming there as well. Uh, and then they also uh, updated uh, the MacBook Air. And the interesting thing there is they moved to 10th gen Intel parts for, for that. And these are custom uh, chips. It's, um, it's, it's the Ice Lake, you know, 10th gen family, but they're not exactly what you're going to see in, uh, in other Ice Lake or 10th gen Intel uh, Ultra portables. So from what we've uh, been able to tell, the base model is an i3-1000 G4. It's a dual core, uh, turbo boost up to 3.2 gigahertz. There's a, an upgrade to an, up, uh, an i5-1030 G7, which is a quad core, turbo boosting up to 3.5. And then the top end built to order option is an i7 1060 G7. That's a quad core uh, up to 3.8 gigahertz and eight gigs of ca- I'm sorry, eight megs of cache. And you may you may notice that sounds a little different. That's because the uh, official part, the part you'd find in most other laptops, would be the 1065 G7. So this is the 1060. The the key factor there though is the G. The that's the new improved Iris uh, Plus graphics that made the huge leap, uh, doubling performance over UHD graphics. And that's important because, um, I mean, I, I don't know, Brett, did you get a chance to use the previous generation MacBook Air? Uh, I have an older 13 Pro, uh, but it's not that much farther behind than the, like, sort of the new one or the older um, the older Air. But the latest, uh, don't turn up your nose at the i3. It's, uh, it's remember, it's two generations better than the previous uh, base i5. Mm. So it's actually uh, slightly better, even in the i3 variant. It's actually due to the 10 nanometer, of course, and the process improvement and all that and the node improvement. It's actually better than the previous generation i5. The other um, obvious uh, switch out is the keyboard. They finally uh, threw in the, uh, as everybody knows, they finally threw in the towel on that. That's stupid. That stupid butterfly mechanism. They finally said, it's enough. We we give uncle. And uh, they switched to this uh, very similar, what they call their magic keyboard which just means it's it works uh, often. So uh, that's their scissor switch mechanism, the same one that they went to on the on the 16. I think it's the same size, a uh, little bit. Uh, you know, the spacing's uh, a little bit uh, wider on it. The, the, the feel's pretty good from what I understand. I mean, I've tried them out in the store. It's, it's, it's really pretty excellent. Uh, I, you know, no problem at all there. Jim, as you pointed out, the... Um, Iris uh, Plus versus HD graphics was a was a big change as well, so that's that's welcome improvement. But the other cool thing about the graphics is is now versus like even the Pro, you can drive six um, K display off of the Air, six K display off of the Air in HDR or XDR, XDR capable off of yeah. the off of the MacBook Air. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Uh, the memory subsystem went from DDR three to DDR four, all low power. Of course. So you see hundreds of megahertz there, I think, on the order of 600, 700 megahertz uh, additional clocking on the memory. And they finally kicked to the curb that stupid 128 gigabyte base um, level uh, for storage. And it now comes with a that's OK, you know, stroking your chin with I could do a little bit better, but I don't hate it. 256 gig. Um the uh, entry price, the price to admission is a uh, dollar below a grand. So you're looking at a hundred ish dollars less than it used to be. Um, frankly, it's a better deal than the pro actually, in my opinion. Well, and that's, that's just because Intel is still uh, 
they're still stuck at at that higher TDP on a 14 nanometer. So you're still getting it's still the ninth gen Intel. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. But and I mean getting, the 13 Pro. But you know, you'd miss stuff like, oh my god, that touch bar. Oh, what are you going to do without that? Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. But you get an escape key back, so you know, thank God. Right. I mean, but at and least I, they kept the emojis at the top of the keyboard. Did they? Well, that's on the touch bar models. Yeah. You, you mean the, you mean the Mac emojis for like changing the screen? Well, no, right yeah, the touch bar. <laughs> oh, that silly oh. little thing. So I, I'm <laughs> I'm interested in seeing. I mean, I I know having knowing the performance improvement that the 10th gen Intel part brings over its predecessor, I'm just interested in seeing how much better it'll be. Because I went out when I first started traveling last year. And I was taking all these long flights. I went out and bought an Air, uh, just just for like on the road productivity, like articles and emails. Because on a plane, I'm so incredibly fat that I couldn't uh, with my 15 inch MacBook Pro. I couldn't open the screen because my gut stomach comes out, and then I have to. I so I have to put the computer far enough back, and then the seats are so narrow or so close together, I couldn't open the screen all the way. So I needed something with a smaller footprint. And I bought one and it sucked. It was terrible. Like everything felt laggy because the graphics on that Intel, uh, the Intel's Intel the, HD, the UHD graphics, was terrible. Yeah, it was the UHD yeah. back then. They, they, I mean, like yep. just opening windows, there was always like a judder and a, and a stutter. And it, it just, it was a, an awful experience, especially contrasting it with the Pro, uh, which had discrete AMD graphics in it at the time. Uh, you so, can always yeah. tell it's struggling when you move one of the windows and it just gives you the uh, the square <laughs> versus actually vi- visually moving the entire window at once. It gives you an outline. So you can tell it knows it is like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to fall over and catch on fire. So, you know, it just gives you an outline yeah. versus moving that, the entire, you know, display. There was a time when uh, uh, in Windows that was a huge deal where you could you know turn on the graphics performance <gasps> to see the window oh, arrow. when moving it. God. Right, exactly. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. But uh yeah, didn't so, they also uh, announce an iPad that they described as the end of laptop computers from now on? Well they do oh, that your every, next computer. every six Again, months. Yeah. They, yeah, but okay. but they mean it this time. This time they mean it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because I mean there's a new iPad, there's new iPad Pro hardware, which is the same external dimensions, but is got the faster updated A series chip in it. And then they've got a new uh, stand that has a trackpad, uh, which they'd already yeah. introduced rudimentary trackpad functionality for accessibility purposes. This is full on like you can use a, a trackpad or a mouse with it now. And they're saying that, hey, look, now it's, you know, what's a computer or whatever. Uh, but it's funny because all they've done is they've turned it into a two-in-one. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's not just a two-in-one. And then it's brand new computers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but it has LiDAR now, which is, by the way, borrowed from the space planes from Space Above and Beyond. So that's all I want to say about that. Oh, I finally okay. brought that back. Yeah. So that's good. That was um, a damn good show. And really? No, it does. That it does a have a show. LiDAR. It does. It yes. Does. Yes. It was, it was an excellent show. Uh, it does actually have a, a LiDAR lens on the back for doing uh, AR. AR. Uh, yeah. Yep. Exactly. They're really moving heavily into that. And I can't wait to embrace my new AR masters. Yeah, well, uh, you'll just need to shell out a thousand bucks. Apple reality for yeah. you know, I can't wait soon. Mm-hmm. All right, so you can check out the uh, you know the Apple website to to see the the new uh, the new uh, MacBooks and iPads. But, uh, I noticed it was funny as they were doing their digital keynote. They, they've shuttered all their stores, at least in the U.S. Um, and we opened in China. 
They reopened, they reopened, them. They reopened them this week. Yeah, weird. Yeah. But the stores well, here are closed. No new cases will do that. Sure. Yeah, no, everything's fine. Uh, but, oh, so uh, they said. <laughs> oh, they said, and I don't I mean, know if they just. Care of. Uh, I don't know if they just didn't have it in their updated copy, but they said it'll be available, you know, this week in stores. So. See the price on that keyboard attachment, by the way, for the iPad? Very expensive. Yes. Very expensive. Pricey. Yes. Uh, for the 12.9, I believe it's 349 Yep. Uh, it's now, still cheaper than the monitor stand. <sighs> yeah, that's not talking buy, about that. that's... You can buy a whole MacBook Air for the price of the monitor stand. <laughs> yep. But uh, it's totally you know, worth it. <laughs> yes. There are, uh, as always, third-party cheaper options. I think Logitech announced a bunch of stuff alongside the, uh, the Apple announcement. So my uh, friend, something inert iron bar. <laughs> but uh, well, uh, all right. Well, now I don't want to dwell too much on Apple here, but uh, let's uh, let's finish up the news real quick with an announcement that I know a lot of folks in our community are, are waiting for. Any any minute now, well, they've actually already. Is that Animal there. Crossing? There, uh, <laughs> close, close. It is a spiritual yeah, successor to Animal Crossing, and that's Doom Eternal. <laughs> the the new the new uh, full featured uh, Doom game from id Software and Bethesda Softworks is coming out tonight as we record this. Uh, like I said, it, it may have already gone live. If not, it should. Uh, so okay, it says two hours here at least uh, in this market. Two hours, and it's uh, about eleven p.m. Eastern right now. So uh, check that out. Uh, I got Sebastian his copy all set so he can do some benchmarking. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw early reviews were a little mixed. Uh, I saw some pretty negative stuff. I saw a couple of places that were pretty positive on it. Uh, but the people who love these kind of games, they're going to love it. You know, they'll find a way to love yep. it. And, and that'll be, that'll be that. Or he's changed his pants five times today. That's wow. <laughs> I haven't played Doom in a long time. Years. You Years. didn't play the 2016 release? Nope. Nope. That was, that was pretty Before good. That. that was pretty fun. I did, but like in 2018. Took me a while to get to it. Um, all right. Well, Jordan just uh, texted me saying he might be ready to join us in the after show. So let's finish up this this show so we can I get think to that. That's, that's a threat. That's that's what that is. <laughs> it is. Um, oh, no. I've lost. I lost Sebastian's review here. Here we go. I just got to reload it. All right. I think the article is loaded here. So. This is a review. We'll, we'll get the review uh, wrapped up here. Sebastian wrote this for us. And uh, as we said at the top of the show, he wasn't able to join us. So I will try to uh, uh, do this uh, justice here. So this is. And he the, disavows all knowledge of this podcast at this point, right? He does. Yep. He does. He, yep. We may never okay. see him Except again. Except for his pictures. Yep. Uh, well, sure, sure. Uh, so this is the Corsair IQ 220 or 220T RGB Airflow case it's a mid-tower case it launched over the summer i think he said it was july yes uh, and the big thing about this case is it's you know it's an airflow focused case but it the, the big deal is that it's a hundred dollar case that comes with eighty dollars worth of addressable rgb fans so it's the uh it, the the comes with three of the corsair sp120 rgb pro fans uh three pack of which retail for 79 dollars. and so right off the bat if you're just into RGB, addressable RGB fans, like this is a way to get those. And then you might have an extra case around if you need it. Uh, but uh, 
you know, overall, he, he gave this case a gold award. He said it's, uh, it's, it's good to work with. It's attractive. It comes in white or black. He reviewed the, uh, the white version here. It's got a mesh front panel uh, for those addressable RGB fans. Uh, it's got the, you know, a traditional layout where you've got the shroud in the bottom that separates the PSU from the uh, motherboard and internal components. Uh, it, it's officially rated up to a, uh, you know, full-size ATX motherboard. Uh, but he did say that it can fit. There, there's room to the right if you go with a motherboard that's wider. But it, the issue you're going to run into in terms of space is going up especially if you want to mount fans on the top there because it's pretty tight. Let me see if I can find, uh, here we go. So here's a picture of uh, an ATX, regular ATX motherboard in there. And you can see you, you don't have a lot of space. Uh, if you're watching the video on the left of the picture is the top of the case. So there's, there's room for fans, uh, you know, maybe a radiator uh, if you get creative, but not a, a lot of room to grow in that direction. But as you can see, if you had a, a wider motherboard, uh, no problem going uh, over those grommets there in terms of expanding that way. Uh, he said that uh, the PSU shroud area is also pretty tight. Again, apologizes our our speeds are a little messed up here at the moment. But uh, you can see it's it's pretty tight to get the PSU in there. And so he said this might be a case where you don't go fully modular because you're going to have to really get your hands in there to swap out cables. It might be better to have everything plugged in and just, you know, bring it around so that you don't have to worry about, you know, trying to get, get things routed and, and uh, changed if you ever need to get to get uh, access to that. Uh, but overall, he says, you know, it's, it's a nice case. Uh, it's really just those RGB fans that really make it such a great deal. Uh, if you're assuming you're willing to pay retail for those those addressable RGB fans. Uh, the, the back well, the has, controller's insane. Look at it. Yes. Above yes, our uh, trademark SSD. Right. It's got the, the uh, lighting uh, controller, fan controller, hub, cable management, and cable routing is, is okay. There's not a ton of room. He said he, he had to pretty much force that back panel on there, but it's acceptable. Uh, we've seen better. We've seen worse. So, Well, that top ribbon cable is uh, pretty stretched. Yeah, it is. Uh, but you've got, <laughs> you got room for uh, two-and-a-half-inch SSDs on the back there. You've got uh, regular uh, three and a half inch drive bays in the lower right. Uh, I'm sorry, lower left, uh, next to the PSU down there. Uh, so you know, a, a decent mid tower, not too expensive case uh, that comes with really nice fans. Uh, temperatures were okay. Noise levels were okay. The Corsair IQ software, as always, was easy to use. Doesn't require any sign in or or active account or anything. So uh, Sebastian always likes that. And uh, yeah, overall, a nice case. Wins a gold award from Sebastian. Uh, like I said, I probably didn't do this review justice, so head over to PCPro.com and check out the full review and all of Sebastian's photography uh, if you're interested in this case. And uh, again, that was the uh, the Corsair IQ220T RGB Airflow Mid-Tower case. $100. $100 with $80 worth of fans inside. Yeah. I think okay. that uh, case could probably use a little, actually, believe it or not, a few more fans. Oh, well, you, certainly you could fit a few more in there. Um, I think there's I think mounting could, points. Could, yes. Definitely could do. Mm. Oh, it's yeah, simply because say. there's a lot of, believe it or not, it just appears as there's a lot of occlusion on the front from, I mean, they call it like an airflow case, but, you know, there's a lot of metal as uh, to quote uh, somebody um, on the front. So I, I think it could use 
more fans. Well, I mean, he it did say like that seven. in his temperature testing that with the stock configuration of the front three and then your CPU cooler, air was moving through pretty well. It, it, it had a nice cool. airflow coming out the back. Uh, so, but yeah, you can always, always enhance that. So that's the last uh, regular topic. Let's check out our picks of the week. So we've got a few here uh, that have come in. Let me uh, make sure I can pull these up because uh, we had some contributors here. So Kent sent us a pick. <laughs> and I haven't seen it yet, so. Oh, perfect. Throw it up. <laughs> Brave man. <laughs> All right. So this is a pick from Kent Burgess, who is a, a member of our community and a contributor as well. Mm-hmm. He's, he's written some great articles for us uh, recently. And uh, he's recommended this for the, uh, for well, he, he brought, he sent this to me when Josh was on his uh, optical disc tirade. Uh, so this is a a uh, a product for the those of us who still love optical storage. It's the Vantech NST fifty three six S three. We'll have the link in the show notes. But it's it's basically it's an external USB three um, adapter or, or hub for a an external optical drive. And they've got the uh, it, I guess you could put um, yeah pretty much any uh, five and a quarter drive it you want in there so it's just it's just the bracket it doesn't come with the drive uh but it's you know and i've seen these over the years i haven't seen one in a while is that yeah, a might. vertical tray drive um yeah. you know it yes you but know it. you know what I'm i mean it's it's just a standard drive that's just mounted vertically for this for this enclosure yeah. Yeah. and i apologize and my internet is just length. it's just slow but um yeah so that's the the vantech uh, it's a vantech external or vantech nexstar dx uh, external uh, adapter for a five and a quarter inch drive. So if you want to go with one of these cases that uh, doesn't have a, an optical drive, you can hook this up and you'll still have access when you need it. That's $45 currently at Amazon. And then um, Sebastian had a pick that Jeremy expanded on for us. If I can find it, here we go. So with the, uh, the crisis, um, you know, people being, forced to stay at home and quarantine there's a lot of companies stepping up and at either offering uh, free games or highlighting things that are already free and jeremy found a bunch of us a bunch of them for us here there's um the steam spring game festival so there's a bunch of games you can play for free uh there's the um uh, because the, uh, the the games developer conference didn't happen so that would have been where these indie guys showed off all of their games this year right so Ah. It didn't happen. Here you go. Here's the 40 competitors format, uh, absolutely for free. So uh, itch.io is always fun. And, and uh, Epic has their games. If you're so inclined, Stanley I've played the Stanley Parable. I, I've really enjoyed that one. Uh, it will yeah. stand up. I don't know about Watch Dogs. <laughs> no, I heard that launch. You don't want to play that one, actually. No. Let's see. Humble has some deals and uh, GOG has their spring sale and they've highlighted uh, some free games as well uh, that you can play. So some of them are like demos, but there's also some like just straight up legit free games. Mm -hmm. So, uh, or you could go through your steam library of shame. Yes. I mean that for most of us, this is the time to tackle that back catalog. 
You mean the ones with zero hours? Is that what you're talking about? Those? Yeah, yeah, those several hundred games with zero hours. Stop uh, it. Yeah. Why do you got to talk about that? Why? Because every time I launch Secret. Steam, it stares me in the face. Secret. Nobody wants to talk about that. They were such a good deal at the time. Shut up. I know. They gave me a badge for it. No <laughs> problem. We should compare years on Steam at some point. We should, we should go look at our year badge. Well, the, the the play ratio would probably be more revealing. But oh no, no, I don't want to. I don't want to show that. Up. No, there's like two games with twenty thousand hours, and then everything else less than an hour. <laughs> exactly. But uh, all right, Brett, you've got a pick for us. I do, and this plays well into the please stay at home and stop uh, making the rest of us sick. Uh, it is uh, a a free just supply your email video conferencing software that I've been using for years, and it was. Uh, not very good a, a few years ago. Uh, I'm not going to say that it was terrible, but it was usable, but it was difficult sometimes to get people to get connected. And it took some time to get screen shares going, but they've improved their backend. They've they've gone out and gotten mobile platforms now. They're on iOS. They're on Android. They've got really good browser support. Um the screen sharing is very quick. Uh, I use it for a lot of presentations and um, talking with people. The video chat's really reasonably fast, and it's free. Uh, they allow you to have video chat and screen sharing for, I think, up to 45 minutes or something like that, an hour. Um, then they want you to – they're trying to you know get you into the paid plan. But there's it's very low configuration. It's basically click a link. Um, I recommend uh, the Chrome browser, no matter which platform you're on. That seems to work the best, although I I, I believe that they, they work in other browsers. Chrome seems to work really good. Uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely something that you might want to keep uh, in mind as you have to stay home. And when you're not in Steam, maybe you have to talk to other people. I know that's weird besides the pizza guy. Um, but yeah, maybe you've got to do something like this. Get okay, so that's uh, yeah, it's Uber Conference. I, I've used them. Uh, there's a nonprofit I work with, and we use them as our uh, just our the phone teleconferencing component of there. Mm-hmm. And it works good just for audio as well. Mm-hmm. Very very good. Uh, and remember right, that everyone and, wants to see your pets during the uh, conference call. Oh, absolutely, and it's not just one to one. You can have like a bunch of people on at the same time. Yeah. All right, and then my pick is. Um, Something potentially gross, depending on how you think about it. But I get allergies, uh, mild allergies, but I'm always congested. And this is not a good time of year to be like sniffing and coughing in public because oh, God. people. I think I know what this is. Yeah, they look at you, and then things happen, and people in suits show up and take you away. And is and it the Garden Weasel podcast? But, <laughs> yes, um, sweet. But anyway, this is something, and I've 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 used. I've just started using this and it's basically if you're familiar with the neti pot, which is the like teapot where you boil a saline kind of tea and then you pour it in one nostril and out the other and it rinses your sinuses. Well, they've had those for years. I've tried those. And then there was a company called, I think, Neti Med, which come, came out with like a squeeze bottle. So it's the same concept, except instead of having to rely on gravity, you can force it through. Well, this is like one step beyond that where it's called the Navage and you Put it, it's got two uh, things for your nose. One of them is is pushing and one is suction. And so it e- even further enhances the ability to put this saline s- solution through your, your sinuses. And uh, like I said, I've been using it for about a week. It's really good. It really clears it out for me. 
It's a really, if you've never used anything like this, it's it's an unpleasant sensation, but the aftermath is is worth it. I've I've seen in terms of controversy around this product is that they require you to use their sort of like proprietary saline pods, but you can very easily work around that. You'll, you'll figure it out when you see it. Like you just basically need to cut the rim off of one of the pods and kind of stick it down in there. And then you can mix your own, your own saline solution into the top chamber there. And then a lot of people have said that uh, like the most common complaint beyond that is that it, it dies after a year or even a few months. Uh, I can't, uh, attest to that yet. It's been a few, like it's been a week, a little over a week, uh, but so far so good. And, and it, but it just, it works so well that if it died, I guess that's okay, but just try to keep it clean. And, and yeah, so if, if you're, if you've got sinus congestion, uh, allergies and things like neti pots aren't working as well, this is like that to an extreme. So, uh, Shopfax got a nasal attachment. I'm sure oh, they do. Yep. That's I'm sure they do. Yep, that's good too. Jim, do you have enough uh, pharmaceutical loadout going to protect you from any uh, downsides of uh, of the nitty of the pot here? You know, I'm just seeing some uh, chat in the channel with like, "Oh, watch out! It's going to give you brain eating amoeba." Oh, well, so with anything with treat. yeah, w- with any of these, anything like whether it's the straight neti pot or the one the squeeze pot, anything you're going to put in your nose, use distilled water or boil yeah. the water first. But boil the water, let it cool. Then, ah, then, ah, then. Ah, we, we do not recommend using hand sanitizer in the neti pot. No, we're mm. lavaged. Ouch! But, uh, yeah, so if we're any or of taking these, your contacts out afterwards, either uh, one, there there is a chance that there could be uh, amoebas or other uh, other little nasties in the water that would be fine if you drank it because your stomach acid would kill it. But if you push it up into your nose, it can get into your brain. I mean, that's you know, every summer we get a report of a. Uh, a, a kid in uh, Louisiana swimming in a pond and right. he gets a disease and dies. And it's, yeah, it's scary. So you always, with any of these use distilled water or boil the water first. Um, Bright blue water used in Flint, water. Michigan or uh, Canadian Indian reserves. Sure. Yep. Sure. Either one. Uh, Mine tailings is a bad sign. Don't swim there. <laughs> yes. It's pretty. Don't touch. Wow. This is the great blue. Let's go swimming. No, no, no bad. That's that's copper. Don't okay, let's it. take some Instagram pics then. Okay, at that's this fine. abandoned nuclear reactor in Russia. Yep, and it's got a great glow. It does that. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap the show up like here. Jim's and, wall. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, not Intel Blue. Uh, people were pointing that out. I, I did not. There's no intention no. to uh, do Intel Blue. Intel is not a sponsor. Has never sponsored the PC perspective uh, website or podcast as far as I've been in charge. So, I mean, if they want to, Hey, give me a call, but no, they haven't. Um, anyway, uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, apologize for the oh. confusion with people coming and going this week. Apologize. If you've been able to hear there's tornado warnings. So the sirens have been going off uh, randomly throughout. So you may have heard that. Uh, oh, but, I thought that was uh, the looting. Uh, there uh, could be too. Uh, it's hard to tell. I see. I couldn't make up my mind on the picks. So you're skipping them both. Oh shoot, Jeremy! I forgot. I'm sorry. I we forgot to distract distracted by Ken. Uh, I went out of order, and then that screwed it all up. Okay, hang on. A well, second. it was it was Kent, but it was worth. Uh, it going was on. Kent's. It was Kent's fault, pretty sure. Because I support right. optical media and mm. the carrying on of. All right. So which one? Yeah, I, I had. Hey, I, I'm torn. If I should just go with something plain neat or something that's you know socially responsibly neat. Which one do you want me to show first? Oh, well, 
didn't do it in order. Uh, do the nifty one first. Is it so this one? A half inch. Yeah, well, do that one first. Okay. So fashion for well, kind of. It's 3D printed. Uh, it's a, an STL design for what is uh, the framework of the N95 mask that you can't get. It's not 3D printing the filters. Like that, you still need to get the filters. But the problem is that with the pandemic going on, there is a shortage of these masks because of well, assholes buying them all up and taking them home. So we've hit the point in several countries where they're suggesting that medical personnel, you know, ah, maybe a handkerchief or a scarf might be a good idea since you can't get a mask. And so these guys at Copper 3D have uh, published an STL of a, a 3D printed N95 mask that's going to work almost as good as the original, definitely better than a body scarf. Uh, so they, they've got uh, an initiative going on that they call uh, Hack the Pandemic, where hospitals that actually need these things are putting it out there. Now, you're going to have to make sure you know what the hell you're doing. Don't try and provide half-ass printed uh, masks to anyone because that, in a way, would be worse than the scarf. But it's a lovely thing. And then up at the uh, University of Leicester in the UK... They're developing a, a, a simpler mask um, with 3D printing. The idea being this is something you put on a patient who's coming in to be tested. So they can sit in the waiting room and wait for their test wearing this thing, which will protect, you know, if they have it, anyone from the, the their mucus or cough phlegm coming out and infecting anyone else. Again, it, it's not going to be as good as a, a medical device, but at the same time, if you can get them out there, at least they're there. So the hack, the pandemic sort of it, it's, it launched, I think less than a day ago. So they're, they're still working on it. There's a couple of hospitals definitely in the States that are looking for these. I'm sure there are all across the planet. Uh, there was the interesting thing in Italy about the, uh, valves for the ventilators, which may or may not have been a hoax, or just a matter of the press picking up on it so quickly that the company decided to back down on any uh, enforcement of their IP whatsoever. But yeah, it's just, you know, something you can actually do with your 3D printer that might help out in the short or the long term. But keep an eye on it because, of course, these may arrive at the hospital. They take a look at them and say, yeah, 90% of these are utter garbage. Don't waste your time. But hey, it's it's worth a shot if you if you've got the spare filament to try it. It's cool. Are you guys keeping an N95 mask on uh, close at hand in case of sudden cabin depressurization? No, we're just I'm going down going down with the ship. All right, just saying you should it's just, you, you should, should think have. about it. Well, uh, oh, you, you, you just gonna vamp, are you just gonna vampire sneeze it then? You're just gonna vampire sneeze? Just out in the open, it's fine. Okay, it's not my problem. You know, you need to yeah. get the crown. All right. Well, oh, uh, oh, the cone, the cone of infection. Then, uh, Jeremy, did yes. you want to talk about this other one, or are we good? Yeah, because uh, I think that Ken would be incredibly freaking jealous about this thing, and at just under ninety bucks, it's freaking tempting. It's a seven and a half pin, p- inch piece of e paper uh, with eight hundred by four eighty resolution that charges via NFC. So, no yeah. Because they've made it just to the point, uh, so it, and it's got a reasonable refresh rate on it, but the idea is that uh, 
it's good enough that you can freaking charge it via NFC without a battery. <laughs> or, well, sorry, you could, and uh, without the battery. So it's just freaking hilarious. And I, I'm sort of thinking about picking one of these up because it is sort of an all-in-one thing uh, with a, a little controller behind it so you can program it. And as sort of a picture shows there, roughly the size of your average iPhone, it, it just looks amusing as freaking hell. Oh yeah, and it's, it's two color. A ridiculous grace. Yeah, two grace. Two grace. Cool. Yeah. Nice. All right. So for so, eighty-eight ninety-nine, not bad. And we'll have the links to all of that stuff in the show notes. Well, as uh, if you're on the video version, you've noticed we've just had a special guest join us, uh, but uh, he's not allowed to be on the regular show. So we're going to wrap this up, and we'll say thanks everyone for joining us live. And uh, you're going to not want to miss the post show. So if you're listening to this on demand, make sure you join us live so you can hear what we're about to hear from our very special guest. But thanks, everyone. I hope everyone's hanging in there. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll see you next time.